بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن احسن قولا ممن دعا الى الله وعمل صالحا وقال انني من المسلمين صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فوالله لا يهدي الله بك رجلا واحدا خير لك من حمر النعم او كما قال عليه الصلاه والسلام Alhamdulillah all praises be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are seated here with a concern for deen the average parent has a dream my child must get that pretty degree and then that rosy salary and then me i will take everything easy so this is a dream and in, when that's the dream automatically now a person Allah forgive us the secular side of the child's life is given priority and Allah forgive us the child's iman child's islam the child's maktab madrasa that's placed aside when the world becomes the goal the end result many a time we end up producing children that are M3s, not cars, scars, money-making machines. They become such, there's no feeling, there's no human touch, there's no values, there's no qualities. And those very same children later on, they end up depositing their parents in old-age homes, and if there's a bit of guilt maybe they'll substitute they'll substitute time love and service with uh, the temporary material things of the world our south african jamaat went to america so they've come to this one area they see that this elderly man he's got cars he's got a beautiful home he's got servants so he tells the jamaat You can see all these. I gave my children degrees. They gave me luxuries. But you ask me right now, my heart's cry. Take all these away. Just give me one moment with my children. Allow me to hug my grandchildren. But they're all too busy. Busy with the degrees, with the salaries. What was the dream? And what is the end result? You see, at the end of the day, uh, every parent wants best for the child. When you speak of best, what's the best definition of best? This our Nabi Akareem Sussam will give us the best definition. When Nabi Akareem Sussam mentioned more or less, the best gift a parent can give a child is good manners. Now when we're speaking of good manners, we're speaking of original. 
real. Not the fake imitation of the outside world. There's three lines. The first line is, man, he learned how to fly in the sky like a bird in his jets and planes. And then line number two, man learned how to swim like a fish in the sea with his boats and his ships. And the third line is the powerful line. Man forgot how to learn, how to walk on earth like a human being, with feelings, with beauty. And we speak of the beauty, the child's foundation is in the madrasa, in the maktab. It's only the madrasa that will put in the heart of the child the value of a mother, the respect of a father. In the time of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if someone accepted Islam, the main concern of that new Muslim and Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the learning and the teaching of the deen which needs to get into this new Muslim. So in the time of Nabi Abu Bakr it was done more informally. Whenever there was a need, a sahabi of Nabi Wasallam or a few sahaba anhum, they would be sent and then that need would be fulfilled. In the time of Umar now it became a bit more formal. It took the shape of what we call today a maktab, a madrasa, where teacher was appointed and the salary was fixed. Until today we enjoying that beautiful maktab, madrasa system in our country. And our country, Allah blessed it one stage further. You find Muslims from around the world, from Muslim countries and as well as Arab countries. They come to South Africa, to learn our maktab madrasa system and then they go back home trying to bring it alive when our jamaat was in Palestine then I won't forget that one scene so those Palestinian fathers and that father is cheering and he's saying you in South Africa you have African children from Christian homes who can recite Quran because of your maktab madrasa system. And we in Palestine, we have Arab children from Muslim homes, but can't recite Quran. Because that system of madrasa is missing. So when we have something, we need to be appreciating what we have. It shouldn't be every week, once or twice in the week. My child has to get absent from madrasa because the afternoon sporting activity is more important. Allah forgive us. And even worse, sometimes we put the child now in a private Christian school and suddenly now there's absolutely, we cut that child off from a maktab. Do you know what's the danger of that? This happened in one of our maktabs. So the father, he comes into the madrasa crying with his grade 7 daughter. But that same father, two years before that, he took his daughter out of the maktab. Because now the daughter had to go to a Christian school and now that became priority. Allah forgive us. And that daughter now loved reading. 
And there was no madrasa for the daughter. So afternoon was extra free reading time. And her friends were Christian. So they gave her a Bible. So she was busy reading Bible. So she comes to the father after two years. And she says, uh, I don't believe in Islam anymore. I'm a Christian. So the father can cry how much he wants. But he himself destroyed his own daughter. You see, while we're on the topic of daughters, all of us seated here, fathers, grandfathers, uncles, ask ourselves, when last we spoke to our daughter or granddaughter or niece and we reminded her that, oh my darling diamond, your beautiful place is the protection of the home. One over 80 year old Afrikaner woman she mentioned this to a Muslim she says that uh, we people one day were also good as you people what she tried to say was we Afrikaners we also were good as you Muslim until so simpler words what she meant was we also had a marriage structure a family unit Marriages were working. There were homes. And then everything broke loose. Divorces, everything. When? And she says to the Muslim, uh, when we started sending our daughters to the schools and universities, and then we lost them for life. So reminding our diamonds where this beautiful place of protection lies, where Allah has placed them. Nevertheless, outside vellum, this one location, Waterloo Phase 5. So I went to that madrasa. So all new Muslims. So the 17-year-old youngster was there. So I was quite pleased, mashallah. He's 17, around that age, and he's still coming to the madrasa. So I called him, I tested him his Quran, reading very beautiful Quran. So I asked him, how you got the Quran right? So he says, Mulana, because I'm a Muslim, I could make out my friends were doing something else. After 12 o'clock at night, they were busy slaughtering and then drinking its blood, satanic rituals, worshipping the devil. So he said, when I saw this, the next day or so, I brought those friends into the maktab, into the madrasa. Before I say what happened in the madrasa, as a reminder, and we will be reminding everyone all the time, you see right now in the world, the average singer is a Satanist physically worshipping the devil. And the average youngster, unfortunately, is feeling, I'm just listening, I'm relaxing, nothing serious. Not realizing today it's a very fine line. It's no more just iman and entertainment. It's a manner. It's a matter of belief, disbelief. It's a very fine line. So the youngster says, "I brought those friends into the madrasa." He said, "Molana, all I had to do was, I opened the Quran in front of them, and next thing they became restless, and they ran out of the madrasa." You see, in the morning when the sun rises. The darkness of the night disappears. 
Those youngsters were in Satanism, darkness. Quran is full of beauty, light. So he told me, Mulana, when I saw the power of just opening the Quran, I thought to myself, how much more power if I recite the Quran? And he said, I carried on reading the Quran. And mashallah, the fluency came in. And look what he tells me after that. He's a new Muslim. He says, Mulana, my friends can try what they want. Tagati, black magic, jadu, whatever we can call it. Nothing will touch me. I got Quran. This is a new Muslim who got yaqeen and conviction in Quran. We are seated here. What's the level of conviction that we have in our Quran? And just a thermometer reading of how much we really have in the heart for Quran. Ask ourselves when last were our hands chosen to open the Quran and our lips selected to recite the Quran. You know in the morning the home is emptied. Some going to work, children to madrasa. If, I'm saying if, the Quran was given a chance to speak, it would probably cry out and say, O people of the home, in the last 24 hours you used everything, went everywhere. From the bathroom to the sleep room to everything. But none of you had the heart to come to me and recite me. When last did I recite Quran? One uh, average age man tells me, he says, Molana, whenever I feel down, we are human beings, we have hearts, we get hurt. At times we feel down, sometimes the wife, sometimes the children, sometimes the workers, whoever. So he says, Molana, whenever I'm feeling down, the depression is feeling like it's setting in. All I need to do is, Mulana, I open the Quran and I allow my heart to now flow in the pages of Quran. And as I'm reciting, that motivation, that inspiration, that feeling which everyone is chasing and wanting, but we're looking in the wrong place. So that's the first one. The level of yaqeen and conviction in Quran. The second one, our Jamaat from Vellum, Tongat, surrounding areas went to Kenya. So they came to this one village. So the locals of the village, they say to the Jamaat, uh, we needed to print the Quran. And the only printing press available was belonging to one Hindu. So we went to the Hindu, can you print our Quran? Hindu agreed. And look what he did. He went to his printing press, he washed the whole printing press clean. He told his workers, you all better have a good bath tonight. Tomorrow you're printing Quran. So he washed his workers as well. And they printed the Quran. Now this is Hindu showing respect to Quran. Sometime later the Hindu died. Allah protect us, we know they cremate, they burn the body. So they took his body to burn. First time they tried, refused to burn. Second time, third time, nine times. They're trying to burn his body. The fire is refusing to burn his body. Then they realize this fire is not working. 
Muslims use water. So they went to the imam of the area and they handed over the body. One of two things happened. Either this Hindu quietly became Muslim or Hindu showed respect to Quran. Allah allowed this much honor for him in this world that the fire of the world was not allowed to burn his body. That's a Hindu showing respect for Quran. We are Muslim. What's the degree of respect we have for Quran? We are sitting in the house of Allah in the masjid. What's the degree of respect we have for the masjid? Where's the heart? The body is here. Where's the heart? And just to understand the respect of Quran, just one quick reading we can all run in our hearts. This past Ramadan that went by, how many of us, out of respect for Quran, the entire 20 rakats, we stood behind the Imam, because he's reciting Quran. Respect for Quran. That entire Ramadan, we stood behind the Imam, 20 rakats. It should never be. We read two, three, four rakats. And then we out. First few nights we were here, and then we come in the last few nights. A Muslim is an embodiment of respect. Respect for everything linked to deen. Our children, we can never ever allow them that that Quran is placed in the school bag. That school bag is thrown behind the back, flung on the floor. If that child is showing that amount of disrespect to Quran, how can we ever expect a future for our child? So respect of Quran. Third one, Mamun Rashid, in his court, he used to have gatherings. So scholars were invited. One Jew attended. End of the gathering, Mamun Rashid presented Islam to that Jew. The Jew refused to leave the religion of his forefathers. One year later, that Jew now returned to Mamun Rashid as a Muslim. So Mamun Rashid asked him the reason. So he says, my job, I'm a calligrapher, master in the art of writing. So I wrote three copies of the Jewish holy book and I changed and made alterations in those three copies. And I took those altered, changed copies. I went to the synagogue and those Jews with pleasure, they bought those changed copies. Then I wrote out three copies of the Christian holy book. They call it Bible today. And I changed it and altered it. Went to the church, those Christians as well, with pleasure. They bought those altered, changed copies. Then I took the courage to write Quran. And as I was writing Quran, I was changing Quran. And I took the changed Quran to the Muslim. Muslim took it, read it, and returned it. You changed it. When the Muslims did that, I was convinced. Quran has to be the word of Allah. Protected by Allah. So here I am a Muslim. So understand what we have with us. We have original. 
No other religion can come near what the Muslim is enjoying. We have Quran original. So that's one original. Second original. Do we know what is Sanad? Do we know how powerful the word Sanad is? In simple words, from every Molana, right up to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's an unbroken link. You find when we study in the madrasa, our ustaz in the final year will explain to us, I studied hadith from this ustaz, from this ustaz, 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 right up to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. An unbroken link. The hadith we have, the beautiful words of Nabi sallallahu original. Now when we know what we have is original, and we all know what's outside in the world, fake and imitation which is changing all the time. So all of us in the last three years, we saw the reality of fake and deception. That is why we ought to have made a firm resolution within the depths of our hearts. That, oh Allah, I will never ever allow from now till I die for any man-made law to try and ever change my Allah's law, which is original. And the second resolution, oh Allah, I'll never ever allow some man-made research which is always changing, full of, full of deficiency. It's a theory, full of deficiency, man-made. I will never ever allow man's research to ever try and change the original sunnah of my Nabi Karim, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You see, when things happen around, an intelligent, and that belongs to a Muslim, intelligence, takes lesson. Muslim doesn't become a lesson for others. Muslim take, takes lesson from others. I don't become the lesson for others. So nevertheless, coming back to where we started, the maktab, the madrasa. That's the foundation of the child. The child's foundation of iman and Islam coming deep in, deep in the child's heart. Really it's a trying time we are going through. A few Saturdays back, Mufti Sahib was explaining, Mufti Ibrahim Saliti Sahib. A person at times, you know, he will see the fitna and the fitna the trial and the test and the mischief and the evil, the temptation and everything that goes with it. And the person is speaking so much, speaking so much about fitna and evil and the way we speak, as if it's gone so big. Na'udhu billah, Allah forbid, as if it's gone bigger than our Creator Allah. Now that happens when we forgot Allah. When we forgot Allah, a person says, no, Mulana, you don't know the temptation of the smartphone and the temptation of this and that. No doubt, temptation will always be there. But the one who forgot his creator, that's when now he feels, I can't make it. The one who has his focus towards Allah, now we're in this season, a season where, you know, sometimes we are, we, we are made to think, oh, what's happening? 
the way man continues and behaves as if he was told look here this is the last few hours of your life so the person just goes wild celebrating as if it's the last few minutes of life so he needs to finish all his energy in those few minutes a Muslim, a believer is beauty he doesn't allow uh, happiness to override him he doesn't allow sadness to underride him he doesn't allow anger to overtake him a Muslim is always composed doesn't lose himself he doesn't allow creation and condition to make himself lose himself he's under control because he believes in a creator who's controlling who's watching who's deciding who's doing the one that forgot the creator he just goes wild forgetting he's going to stand in front of his creator one day so that aspect of accountability this believer doesn't know where he is, doesn't know where he needs to reach. So where will he ever make preparation to reach the destination? A Muslim, we have come on a mission. We have a purpose, not just to waste our life with the cell phone and in the places of party. Addiction, one is drug addiction. Cell phone addiction has consumed and killed from within. But because we don't take it as a futile, it's eaten my hours. Hours when I'm watching and following, not for a moment I thought of my Allah. Completely unmindful. Intoxication of a different level. And because I don't take it as wrong, there's no guilt. The man that does sin has guilt. Man who doesn't consider futility as wrong has no guilt. So chances of repenting, Allah forgive us. Let Allah give us the strength to understand and to pass on to others. Just one announcement. After the salah, some beautiful kitabs will be distributed. We can take a copy, practice and pass on to others.